Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning and welcome to the Dollarama Fiscal 2021 Third Quarter Results Conference Call. Neil Rossi, President and CEO, and Michael Ross, CFO, will make a short presentation, which will be followed by a question and answer period, open exclusively to financial analysts. The press release, financial statements, and management's discussion and analysis are available at dollarama.com in the Investor Relations section, as well as on CEDAR. Before we start, I have been asked by Dollarama to read the following message regarding forward-looking statements. Dollarama's remarks today may contain forward-looking statements about its current and future plans, expectations, intentions, results, levels of activity, performance, goals or achievements, or any other future events or developments. Forward-looking statements are based on information currently available to management and on estimates and assumptions made based on factors that management believes are appropriate and reasonable in the circumstances. However, there can be no assurance and that such estimates and assumptions will prove to be correct. Many factors could cause actual results, levels of activity, performance, achievements, future events, or developments to differ materially from those expressed or implied by the forward-looking statements. As a result, Dollarama cannot guarantee any forward-looking statement will materialize, and you are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. For additional information on the assumptions and risks, please consult the cautionary statement regarding forward-looking information contained in Dollarama's MD&A, dated December 9, 2020, available on CEDAR. Forward-looking statements represent management's expectations as at December 9, 2020, and except as may be required by law, Dollarama has no intention and undertakes no obligation to update or revise any forward-looking statement, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise. I would now like to turn the conference call over to Neil Rossi. Thank you, Operator, and good morning, everyone. We are very pleased with our strong performance in the third quarter of fiscal 2021, with a double-digit increase in sales, strong same-store sales growth and earnings per share, as well as an industry-leading gross margin. Our solid results reflect the enduring strength and relevance of our business model and the important role we continue to play as a provider of essential goods during the pandemic. Our affordable everyday product offering, coupled with the proximity and convenience we offer Canadian consumers, continue to resonate. Our performance also reflects our team's disciplined execution in maintaining well-stocked stores and offering a safe and efficient in-store shopping experience. Strong sales in the third quarter were boosted by higher demand for seasonal products, as well as certain all-year categories, including household and cleaning products. Despite stay-at-home directions, social distancing measures and in-store capacity limits in various provinces, we saw a lot of customers looking to safely celebrate Halloween this year, even if that meant staying within their household bubbles to do so. We also picked up a lot of summer sales in the quarter, further, continue, further contributing to our strong results. The popularity of seasonal and festive items in the third quarter is a positive trend as we enter the seasonally important fourth quarter. SSS growth was very strong and continues to be shaped by evolving shopping patterns. 
This quarter, we saw a strong basket balanced with further improvement in traffic compared to Q2, when a number of our stores were temporarily closed or still operating with reduced hours. Store hours are currently back to normal, with the exception of some mall stores, which continue to experience much lower traffic than the rest of the chain. In Q4 to date, basket size remains large compared to pre-pandemic levels and traffic continues to pick up compared to Q3. But a lot can happen in the very crucial next two weeks of holiday shopping. Coming back to Q3, higher sales of seasonal merchandise also resulted in a favorable sales mix in terms of gross margin. We continue to invest in COVID-19 measures to maintain safe operations for our employees and a safe in-store shopping experience for our customers. Since March, we have invested over $60 million in direct incremental COVID-19 costs. In Q3, these amounted to $10.9 million in SG&A costs for additional in-store hours for the execution of sanitizing and cleaning tasks. We also continue to support and recognize our employees who play the most important role in our continued success and in our ability to provide Canadian families with access to affordable everyday goods throughout the pandemic. In this context, we were pleased to announce today a bonus payment for all store employees to show them our gratitude and to thank them for their continued hard work and dedication. Full-time employees will receive a $300 bonus and part-time employees will receive a $200 bonus. All active store employees as of today's date will receive this one-time gratitude bonus. Thank you all for your incredible work. While store teams delivered strong merchandising and sales execution in the quarter, our real estate team also pressed ahead, opening 19 net new stores during the quarter. This brings the total number of stores opened in the last nine months to 42. Based on where we stand today, we are on track to open 60 to 65 net new stores by year end. But as you know, many factors are outside of our control due to COVID-19 and the situation can change quickly. The important thing to note is that if we do not hit the 60 to 65 net new store mark by fiscal year end, it will be due to timing and not lost opportunity. In the quarter, we also conducted one of our periodic customer surveys to keep a pulse on the market and to ensure that we are continuously delivering on what matters most to Canadian consumers. The findings of this fall survey reinforce the confidence we have in the core tenets of our business model, offering a wide range of affordable everyday products, providing outstanding convenience through our 1,300 plus locations, and delivering compelling value that appeals to Canadians from all walks of life. While many customers have adapted their shopping patterns during the pandemic, our customers remain highly loyal to Dollarama and we have continued to expand our appeal to new customers. Turning now to our activities in Latin America, we saw a strong equity contribution of 4.3 million from Dollar City for the quarter stemming from their third quarter ended September 30th. As of this date, all Dollar City stores are open and only 15 are operating with reduced hours. Most COVID-19 related restrictions have been lifted in our countries of operation, namely Colombia, El Salvador, and Guatemala, resulting in increased customer traffic. 
While the situation there has improved dramatically during the spring, since the spring, we continue to monitor it carefully. After pressing pause on new store openings due to COVID-19, eight net new Dollar City stores were opened in their last quarter, primarily in Colombia, bringing the total count to 240. This is a step in the right direction as we resume our growth. We are also pleased to confirm that we will be entering the Peruvian market, Peru being one of the nine countries covered by our agreement with Dollar City. As mentioned in the past, Peru was identified early in the process as our next country of entry, given the favorable trends there in terms of consumer profile, market dynamics, competitive landscape and appetite for our value-oriented retail model. We expect to open our first stores there as early as the first calendar quarter of 2021, barring factors outside of our control. As with everything we do, we will proceed prudently as we test our concept in this new country. Near-term growth will continue to be driven primarily by Colombia, and we will only revisit our long-term growth target of 600 stores by 2029 once we have established a firm foothold in this new country of operation. But certainly, we're excited by the additional growth potential this market can bring. Finally, Dollar City also started to roll out items at price points equivalent to US $350 and US $4 in Colombia only in November which we expect will be well-received by customers. There are no immediate plans to roll out these additional price points in the other Dollar City countries of operation for the time being, but this will be reassessed at a later date. Overall, we are extremely pleased with Dollar City's progress. The business showed great resilience during the pandemic, increasing brand awareness and winning over new customers as a result of its recognition as an essential business in all three countries of operation and the team continues to build up the operational capacity to support Dollar City's long-term profitable growth. With that, I'll hand it over to Michael for a closer look at our financial results before providing some concluding remarks. Michael, over to you. Thank you, Neil, and good morning, everyone. So sales for Q3 increased by 12.3% to uh, $1.06 billion driven by a higher overall store count and 7.1 same-store sales growth. Same-store sales results were comprised of a 26.3% increase in the average ticket and a 15.2% decrease in the number of transactions. Neil provided some color in this regard, but the key takeaway here is that we are seeing some positive trends in traffic from quarter to quarter while the basket remains very strong. Looking at outline sales, while they remain non-material, uh, online sales, sorry, while they remain non-material to the, uh, our overall sales, these also continue to see a strong increase and we are pleased with the progression. Gross margin was 49, 44% of sales in Q3 this year, up from 43.7% last year as a result of increased sales of higher margin seasonal products and positive effect of scaling due to higher sales. GNA was 15.1% of sales compared to 15% in fiscal 2020. This variance reflects incremental costs of $10.9 million related to additional hours for in-store cleaning and sanitizing measures. These costs had a 100%, uh, 100 basis point impact on the quarter. 
GNA was positively impacted by higher labor productivity in stores due to the processing of a lower volume of transactions by higher baskets, less pack away of seasonal inventory as a result of strong sales, lower travel costs, as well as scaling. EBITDA was $312.1 million, representing 29.3% of sales. Net earnings were $161.9 million, and diluted earnings per share was $0.52, cents, a 18.2% increase compared to Q3 last year. Cash flows from operating activities totaled $201 million compared to $203 million in Q3 last year. Cash flows from higher earnings were partially offset by tax installment payments deferred earlier in the year as permitted by CRA in the context of the pandemic. Inventory levels decreased in the quarter as a result of strong sales and the timing in receiving merchandise. uh, To compensate, we've been accelerating our replenishment cycles and drawing down on safety stocks reflecting the strength and flexibility of our supply chain and procurement uh, operations. Also keep in mind that due to timing, inventory levels were on the high side in Q3 of last year. Despite inventories being on the lean side, stores are well stocked with all year and seasonal items and we expect to meet anticipated customer demand in the upcoming quarters. Looking at transformation projects, we also continue to roll out cell checkouts in certain high-traffic locations. We are on track to have cell checkouts in about 200 stores by fiscal year-end, with about 175 stores with cell checkouts at quarter-end. Wherever we offer self-checkouts, it's always in combination with traditional checkouts, and this additional convenience is achieved is achieving our top-line objective, which is to help accelerate the queue line in high-traffic stores. In terms of capital allocation, the board approved a 6.8% increase in the quarterly dividend from uh, from 4.4 cents to 4.7 cents per share. We did not repurchase any shares during the third quarter, again, in order to preserve liquidity and at quarter end, our leverage ratio stood at 2.7 times adjusted net debt to EBITDA. This is 24 basis points below our 2.94 times leverage ratio at the end of fiscal 2020, which provides us with a lot of flexibility as we look to resume our, our buyback activities before the end of the fiscal year. Barring factors outside of Uh, uh, our control due to COVID-19, it is our intention to actively resume such activities during the fourth quarter while maintaining our leverage ratio in our comfort zone of between 2.75 times and three times adjusted net debt to EBITDA. Looking at our debt structure, we closed a new bond financing in Q3 with 300 million seven-year fixed rate note at a rate of one 0.505% to take advantage of favorable market conditions ahead of the upcoming maturity of a 300 million uh, floating rate note in February 2021 and further solidify our capital structure. So I'll now hand it over to Neil for the concluding remarks. 
Thank you, Michael. Our strong Q3 results reflected the strengths and relevance of our business model and strong value proposition to Canadian consumers who are looking for affordability, proximity, and convenience as the pandemic persists. Historically, Q4 is our most important sales quarter and December is our most important sales month. We entered the final quarter of the fiscal year with a good tailwind from Q3, momentum on the seasonal product sales front, and 1,333 stores ready to safely serve customers from coast to coast. Of course, the next two weeks are hugely important to our fourth quarter sales historically, and communities across the country are grappling with the pandemic's second wave. Since November, provincial governments have been ramping up measures and increasing restrictions to address rising caseloads as we bide time until the availability of an effective vaccine. This includes restrictions on the sale of non-essential items in the province of Manitoba since November 20th, where we have just under 40 stores. Such restrictions impact sales, but they also bring their fair share of execution challenges. We are also seeing a tightening of in-store capacity limits in many other jurisdictions, an approach we endorse and have used proactively across the network. But that also continues to negatively impact customer traffic, especially during a historically busy holiday shopping season. As a provider of essential goods, our stores remain open from coast to coast to serve Canadian families, but the restrictions in place and the potential for additional ones could further impact shopping patterns and our financial performance for the remainder of the quarter. Our focus is on serving our customers safely and keeping our stores well stocked with the essential products consumers need. We will continue to monitor the situation closely and will adjust as needed as we have shown we can since the beginning of the pandemic. We will continue to execute our plan and deliver on what matters most to Canadian consumers. As validated by our most recent survey, we also remain confident that our value proposition will remain a winning one once the pandemic is behind us and that we are very well positioned for the months and years ahead. That concludes our formal remarks. I will now turn it over to the operator for questions from financial analysts. Thank you. Thank you. We will now take questions from the telephone lines. If you have a question and you're using a speaker phone, please lift your handset before making your selection. If you have a question, please press star 1 on your device's keypad. If at any time you wish to cancel your question, please press the pound sign. Please press star 1 at this time if you have a question. There will be a brief pause for the participants register. Thank you for your patience. The first question is from Irene Natel of RBC Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Thanks and good morning, everyone. Uh, Neil, just following on that last comment of yours about uh, the perception study, can you provide us just with a little bit of color around, um, you know, how how bit, sort of the results of this one might have compared to the prior one in terms of product offering, relevant price points, and value, please? Sure. Um, it's, it's essentially uh, found the same things as it did last time, which is that our customers appreciate the continued relative value that we offer compared to our competitors, that um, the, the uh, low range of price points continues to be important to them, 
and they recognize how we are a, a discount retailer. And, uh, and convenience, of course, is uh, more and more important as, as time goes on. The fact that we are adding stores uh, and, and bringing our offering closer to each customer across the country continues to be something very much appreciated by our consumers. And is there any change, because I remember in, in prior surveys it was a one to two relationship. Has there been any change in that, Neil, in terms of price perception? We don't disclose that level of detail, I'm, I'm sorry, Irene. Okay. I'm, I'm, uh, that's I, I always follow my, my CFO's lead. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, really. You don't have to, Neil. I mean, he's leaving and everything, so come on. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's for you, Michael. I'm not. Um, sorry. Just uh, another question, if I might. Um, with, with almost 74% of your sales in the, uh, in the quarter at price points uh, above $1.25, can you update us on your thoughts around higher price points possibly? Sure. So, so my thoughts are that we're, we're, we, we remain uh, steadfast in our, in our original uh, philosophy, which was uh, higher price points, namely for $50 and $5 or other price points that might be considered in the future, are still exactly that. They're considerations for the future. We're convinced that our customers would be happy to receive those price points, but we're, we're not ready to, to uh, add any price points uh, for the time being. Okay, and just one final one, please. Uh, Q4, you know, certainly what we've heard from other retailers is that Christmas shopping has started earlier. When you look at the cadence of sell-through this year versus last, would you agree with that statement as it applies to Dollarama? Uh, Irene, uh, so it's me. I'm still here. Um, uh, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> okay, uh, I'll answer that. So, yeah, so what we're seeing essentially um, in, in Q4, we see the same momentum we had as of Q3 for sales and margins. So, it, uh, you know, in November, so we just finished November, entering December, so the momentum was very good. And you're, you're right, in Q3 we did see some uh, buying, advanced buying uh, of Christmas items. Um, uh, however, just to um, bring the proper tone to, to Q4, uh, as you all know, the, this past week, the provincial governments across the country have imposed uh, more restrictions on store capacity. Um, uh, traffic was improved over uh, from Q3 to uh, from Q2 to Q3 and continued to improve in November in Q4, but the, these recent restrictions are impacting uh, traffic a bit. So uh, this is evolving on a daily basis. Alberta yesterday, uh, just yesterday, announced you know, it was reducing further its uh, capacity in stores, so this is having some impact. Uh, we still have two weeks to go to, to Christmas, so we'll see. But for the time being, we're, we're, we're happy with what we see for Q4. That's great. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Mark Petrie of CIBC. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. 
Yeah, good morning. Uh, I just wanted to follow up on that last topic, Michael, um, and specifically with regards to the comment around basket size. Uh, you said that it remains um, elevated and strong, um, but we typically are seeing an inverse relationship between traffic and basket. So is it, is it reasonable to assume that as traffic continues to recover, basket has subsided, or has basket sort of remained at a level somewhat consistent to Q3, even as traffic has improved? No, you're absolutely right. There's a, a relationship uh, between both. So as traffic increases, basket decreases, uh, and vice, vice versa. Uh, so uh, that's what we've uh, noticed. Uh, so up till the end of November, uh, that's, uh, you know, like I said, exactly what happened. So your traffic improved and basket uh, uh, decrease. Uh, uh, was offset a bit. Uh, now, uh, for the past week, you know, where we know traffic is impacted, I don't know if, how basket is going to react, but uh, uh, we know that uh, it's, it's very recent that uh, traffic is impacted by the, 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 the imposed um, constraints. Yeah, understood. Okay, thank you. Um, and uh, I just wanted to ask sort of more broadly, I mean, obviously, you know, the entire concept of Dollarama fits very well with the consumer focused on value and, and looking for savings. But just wondering if, uh, if, if you are uh, approaching your assortment differently at all in terms of the distribution of goods um, across price points. Um, and then I guess, well, yeah, I'll leave it at that and then I have a follow-up. Uh, actually, what we've always tried to do philosophically is to offer um, any given range of goods in a variety of price points. So, for example, I'll take hand sanitizers. We'll, we'll try to have hand sanitizers and formats that fit the dollar, dollar twenty-five price point range, the two-dollar range, the three-dollar range, and the four-dollar range, uh, and, and we'll apply that same concept across multi, you know, as many categories ar uh, across the store as possible, uh, just so that we can address different customer needs. Um, sometimes that's just a format change, sometimes it's a size change or a quantity change, but it, 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 we do believe that there are consumers that, that rely on us for things at the very lowest end of our price point range and others who, you know, who rely on us for things at the higher price point range. And then obviously the nature of the goods dictates in some cases whether those goods will be at one end or the other. Thanks. Um, I guess just to follow up on that, so, but, but you're not seeing anything in terms of consumer demand uh, across that sort of spectrum of, you know, good, better, best, or however you want to describe it. Um, I guess it's not really that. It's just sort of across price points. But uh, you're not seeing any sort of evolution in the demand across those price points that would cause you to skew your uh, typical balance or the balance that you've had through, uh, through fiscal 21 so far. No, not, nothing that would be consumer-driven. Uh, you know, those changes in, at times are driven by costs, of course. And so, you know, I'd love to have everything in the store at a dollar still, but, you know, that's just not the world we live in now. Uh, and so sometimes those price points are a reflection of the reality of costs that all retailers have to face, and therefore all consumers 
uh, have to face as well. But, but no, the answer to your question specifically is, is no. Okay, thanks. And then just sort of last one, I guess, related. I think I know the answer again, but but just to just to follow up, um, in the past, you know, you've had sort of shifts in assortments, I guess, specifically towards consumables. Uh, I think the last time we talked about it, you guys were pretty happy with the mix across um, categories. Uh, is that still the case, or or are you adjusting sort of mix across categories at all? No, I, we're happy with the mix. I mean, obviously, right now. There's a focus on, on the essential goods and making sure that we're doing, you know, as good a job uh, as possible for our consumers to have the, the greatest selection that we can in, in terms of sanitizers, in terms of cleaning, in terms of, of, uh, of personal care. But, but, you know, other than that COVID-related focus right now to ensure that we're doing our jobs from an essential service, you know, Point of view, the balance of our assortment is 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 pretty stable. Okay, appreciate all the comments and all the best over the holiday. Thank you, and to you. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Chris Lee of Desjardins. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Oh, good morning, Neil and Michael. Uh, Neil, first of all, just going back to the perception survey, I think you mentioned in your opening remarks that. You've also found that you guys are expanding your appeal to new customers. Just wondering, you know, what is the typical profile of these new customers that you are attracting? There, there's no specificity to, the, to that appeal. We're, we're attracting new customers from all uh, ranges of, of life, uh, age, and socioeconomically. So, so there's not been a specific target group, nor a group that happens to have been, you know, uh, more representative than the others. It's, it's a general appeal equally across categories. Okay, that's, that's helpful. And maybe related to that is, you know, you know, obviously, you know, the Dollarama's the product assortment and compelling price points are, you know, driving, you know, more uh, consumers to consolidate the shopping trips and that's benefiting your sales. I guess my question is just based on your survey and your, you know, your conversation with customers, do you think this, is, this will continue uh, for a while even after the pandemic is under control? Like would, would the consumer continue to consolidate their, their shopping trips uh, even when we return to a more normalized uh, environment? I, I wish I could tell you I was that smart to know the answer to your question, but uh, I'll be honest, I would be guessing and, and I, d I don't want to, to guess. Okay, no, no problem. And maybe just another one, just on the, uh, you know, what we're seeing in some of the other retail channels is there's a migration to consumers buying larger pack sizes um, just because of the nature of the times here. Is there an opportunity for you guys to maybe offer larger pack sizes, perhaps at a higher price point? That would be sort of your way of introducing higher price point at some point in the future? I think our, our way to uh, uh, address your question is with our e-com uh, proposal. So the reason we built our e-com platform was to address consumers who wanted to buy larger quantities of our current assortment. And since in our stores we can't sell goods, uh, you know, in a different price range than the one we've chosen to be focused on, if those consumers want to buy a larger amount of those goods in a simple fashion, 
that's that's basically why we built our e-com platform. Okay, that's helpful. And maybe just a couple of quick ones for for, for Michael. Um, Michael, do you do you think you you guys will be in a position to start providing guidance uh, again next quarter? Uh, well, for the time being, you know, just predicting this quarter is a. Uh, uh, a challenge again, so I don't know. We'll 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 have to see. And you know, historically, we've been as transparent uh, as as uh, as we could, and that's still the intention. Uh, and so we don't want to to pretend we know stuff that we don't. So uh, we'll see um, for next year. But what I can tell you today is that. There's nothing going on structurally around us that would have us change our, our business model. It's all about relative value. Um, you know, we continue monitoring costs, the activities. We've demonstrated our agility, uh, our ability to manage the margins. Look at this year. You know, at the opening of the year, we gave you a bit of color, less than the prior years, but at least, you know, uh, it, 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 uh, and we, we held to that uh, color we gave you uh, in terms of margins and, and things like that. Um, so we'll see in next Q4. And we have the ability to, to manage uh, uh, our, our margins through the refresh. That hasn't changed through markup processes. Uh, that hasn't changed. So, uh, you know, that's what we can confirm to you today. Uh, but um, uh, for next year, I think we, we, we just will have to wait. Okay, that's very helpful. And just maybe a quick one on the margins. You know, the Canadian dollar has been quite strong lately, and if that strength persists into next year, like just overall, would that be a tailwind for, for, your, for your margins um, for next year? Yes, so that's one component. Uh, and you've got inflation from shipping and from uh, buying. Uh, so, I mean, there's a, a lot of movements and there are many factors involved so i just don't want to comment and say and misguide you but you're absolutely right from a currency standpoint uh the the currency the canadian currency is reinforcing that's definitely helping the margin great and then my last question just on the sgna line um the COVID cost of 11 million were a little bit lower than i think what you were sort of guiding next last quarter um Anything going on there, and is the 11 million this quarter a good runway for in, in the near future? No, it, it continues to be the cost, you know, are, um, are more or less um, uh, the same, a bit lower, uh, uh, and, but uh, essentially it, it's the same quality of protection that we're, we're looking for, so we're definitely at, and even I would say those protocols uh, are, um, you know, uh, uh, accentuated uh, with uh, the, the traffic that increases. Uh, so, um, you know, uh, I would say that will definitely, that continues in Q4, uh, uh, should be, you know, in the similar range. And over and above that, um, over and above that, we have um, uh, announced, as you know, Neil went through that, a, a gratitude uh, um, a remuneration, and so that will be added over and above the uh, normal 
COVID costs that uh, you know you've seen in in Q3 should uh, be uh, similar-ish in Q4. Great. Uh, have a great and joyful holiday, and all the best uh, next year. And, and Michael, congrats on your well-deserved retirement. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. The next question is from Peter Sklar of BMO Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Okay, thanks. Um, um, Michael, you've talked in the past how, um, like, you look at other retailers that you consider to be your competitors, and you won't take price unless they're taking price because you want to maintain your competitive, your competitive position. So over the last number of quarters, you know, that's, that's been one of the topics that Dollarama has not been, um, you know, taking in-store price increases. Is that, is that situation changed at all, or is it the same? Are you able to put through some price? Yeah, but like we said at the beginning of the year and through the quarters, you know, it's more or less in line with what we had last year. Um, so, uh, in other words, not that much. Uh, but we are definitely, and this is done by the buying team uh, on an ongoing basis, and that's what we do at Dollarama is compare and make sure that we're, uh, you know, we're we're competitive. So, uh, but in terms of, you know, uh, uh, markups, it's uh, similar, very similar to last year, uh, i.e., not that many. And who do you consider to be your competitive backdrop? Is it still, you know, Walmart, drugstores? Is, is, is that the universe you look at? Uh, we look at all universes, to be honest. Uh, we consider everybody to be our competition. Um, and, uh, and so we'll shop the entire market from the smallest stores to the largest stores and, uh, and everyone in between. And uh, truthfully, I think that all retailers, you know, whether they say it or not, do the same thing. Uh, but we, we, we really do think that when we talk about being the best relative value in the market, we want to be the best relative value in the entire market. And we understand that sometimes, you know, on any given day or any given item, that might not be the case, but we'd like to try to make it the case uh, every day on every item. Okay. And, Neil, um, like I believe that your buyers traditionally go to, go to China. That's where you source, you know, the, the majority of your products. So how does that work in COVID? Are, you, are your buyers still able to go, or do they just buy off of catalogs from Canada? How, how, how has COVID impacted your ability to procure? It's very difficult. Uh, not just for us, but for any importer uh, anywhere in the world. And no, nobody is going to China right now. Uh, you, you know, you require special permits to get into the country, and in any area that you go to, you'd have to quarantine in each area for two weeks, and it's just entirely impractical. Uh, and the truth is that because of COVID being a global, you know, challenge, uh, the, the amount of creativity and new molds and new ideas being generated in China for the balance of the world is also at a, you know, at a, at a low, so to speak. So even if we could go, the environment is entirely different right now. The entire planet is focused on 
staying healthy, uh, the essentials, plus, of course, you know, some everyday goods, but relative to when, when the world is booming, the amount of new things being created and, uh, and, and people's mindset being put on, on new and exciting items is, is entirely different than it is now, as you can imagine. So there, there, there wouldn't be uh, uh, the same experience if one could go you know, shopping around the world right now for, for, for everyday goods. That being said, uh, we, you know, the show goes on, and so it's our job to make sure that we have open lines of communication with all of our vendors around the world, including China, um, uh, but also in Europe and also in the States and, and in Mexico and, and on and on. And um, we are doing a lot of video conferencing, which is not nearly as efficient, of course, as being somewhere in person. And so much more time is being spent uh, doing what can be done more efficiently uh, in person, but it is what it is. And everybody has to contend with the same challenges. And at the end of the day, uh, as you well know, we live in a, in a market where everybody has to, has to deal with the same situation. And so the question is just, you know, who's working the hardest and the most focused on providing what it is that they're trying to do for their customers. And so our job is to remain ultimately focused on great value and, and uh, at the best possible quality in the price ranges that we sell. And we're using every means and method that we can to find those goods for our customer at this point in time. But there's no question that it is far more challenging than it would historically. By the same token, you know, the, what's, what's really everyone's focus right now is, is, is more on the essential goods. Okay. Um, and then just one final question. Uh, when you talked about the consumer survey, I, I, I believe the point you were making is that consumers are increasingly value con convenience. I assume that means convenience of store location, how close the store is to them, and does it have parking access, that kind of thing. So I'm just wondering, in that context, has which, has that changed your thinking at all about your aspirational targets for the number of stores Dollarama could have in Canada? I believe, you know, officially, you know, based on some consultant you use, you're at 1,700 store count is your aspiration in, in Canada. But I'm just wondering, Neil, if your feelings have changed about that. No, I think, I think it's totally in line with our historical philosophy that, you know, we'd like to keep putting as many stores as we can over the course of time in a thoughtful manner that's, you know, that's cost-effective. Uh, and so every year you've seen that, that very steady, you know, rollout of 60 to 65 stores over the course of time, every one of them taking into account the cost of the leases, the locations, uh, cannibalization, and all the other opportunities. But... Uh, no, uh, our our goal has been and ha uh, remains uh, what it what it has truthfully for for 20 plus years, which is uh, you know to have over the course of time as many stores as possible that make sense economically uh, for for our customers to have a store as close to them as possible. Okay, yeah, and and just to to maybe add to that. Uh, so we, you know, normally we uh, update you with the amount, uh, the, 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 
the uh, 10-year forecast. We were supposed to do that this year. We put it on pause because of the COVID situation. So post-COVID, once all of this is behind us, uh, you know, uh, we, we will uh, communicate that to you, and we hope that things track like they are tracking right now. Okay. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thank you. The next question is from Vishal Sridhar of National Bank. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking my question. Um, I was hoping to, you know, give this question a shot in terms of um, perspective on mall, mall performance and non-mall performance, or maybe even traffic. If you're able to provide any color on that. Yeah. So uh, mall stores uh, continue to be impacted by lower traffic. So it has uh, impo uh, uh, improved slightly over the time, but uh, it's still a concern. Uh, and uh, so that, that's been the case throughout the, the year up to date. Okay, are, are there any numbers you can provide? Are, are the mole stores positive in terms of cost? Or? No, we're not disclosing any specifics uh, uh, on that. Uh, on that information, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, traffic is lower in certain malls but picked up by other stores that uh, are in strips or around those, so there's, there's a lot, uh, too much noise in there uh, to, to start trying to communicate that. Okay, um, and in, sense of, uh, in terms of momentum through the quarter, um, obviously the traffic, the traffic trends improved should we, should we also read that to suggest that the overall same store improved through the quarter? That the overall what? Uh, I Sorry, same. I missed that, Vishal. Sorry, same store sales growth. Did that improve as well through the quarter? Well, no, I'm not going to go there, but uh, all I, I said was that we had the very, the, you know, same good momentum we had in Q3 in November, uh, you know, first month of the quarter and um, traffic continuing to improve, but as we said, the trends are usually when traffic improves, basket or uh, the ticket uh, reduces. Uh, but um, overall, and, and as well as for the margin, so, uh, you know, things, uh, we're happy with what we see, and that's as far as I'll go. Okay. Um, and with respect to the elevated seasonal sales and the benefit on gross margin rates, um, obviously, next year, um, Dollarama will, will lap, uh, hopefully, this unusual COVID situation at this time. And I was hoping to maybe get a little perspective on to what degree the um, gross margin rates were elevated by elevated seasonal sales. Is that something that you can shed some light on? Um, no, that would be uh, 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 too much detailed information. But, uh, I mean, uh, you're right to say that you know Halloween uh, went well, uh, Christmas we've yet uh, you know the two biggest weeks are in front of us, so we'll see. Uh, summer season was very strong. Uh, Easter was very poor. Souvenir was very poor, uh, you know. And uh, so there's again a lot of things that are moving around, and um, uh, so when once we get to next year, we'll we'll. Uh, uh, we'll clarify all of that. Okay, and uh, maybe another uh, tough one here. Um, 
in, in terms a similar question on SGMA, uh, less packaway, uh, less labor related to transactions. Some of these items appear to be uh, perhaps a bit transient. Um, is there any way, any color you can give us to help identify the uh, that kind of transient impact on SGMA and make the benefit there? Uh, no, well, again, you, we explain why we see some improvements in labor. Uh, obviously, the great sales one, but also, uh, and, and you mentioned it, traffic. There's, there's less traffic, so we need less hours to, uh, at, at store level uh, slightly. And, and if uh, in the future traffic comes back uh, higher, uh, which is uh, a positive, well, we'll need to put more hours to, to address that. So, you know, there are um, communicating links here, uh, but for the time being, you know, um, uh, we are where we are right now. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. The next question is from Brian Morrison of TD Securities. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi, thank you. Good morning. Um, Michael, I hear you with respect to the limited price markups that you're say, say you're taking, but I just want to follow up and ask, what are you seeing from your competitors? Are they taking price, especially as we see increases with respect to uh, higher price of commodities and higher price of food? And does the potential for price inflation impact the timing or importance of bringing on a new price point? Yeah, so for the food part, you know, we're not uh, uh, our, our mix of products is very low, so that's uh, one part. But for the rest, like I say, if we see uh, some um, lower markups, it's uh, following the, um, uh, the market uh, competitive environment. Uh, we're, we're a price follower, not a price setter. And, and so, uh, you know, if we do see opportunities, if they do, uh, start, um, uh, you know, passing on costs. Uh, uh, then, then we, uh, you know, will will uh, evaluate uh, the opportunity to do the same. Uh, that's it, it's again nothing changed. It, it's always been like that, and for now, the intention is to keep it that way. I, I guess to ask it another way, are you seeing competition starting to take price at a more aggressive rate than you would have said said three to six months ago? Uh, no, I would say the answer is no. By the same token, I think that we are starting to see some price pressures on raw materials and uh, certainly on freight and other things that will be coming into effect. And uh, I, I believe that you will start seeing the market have cost pressures and therefore uh, markups. And to be clear, they're not markups for more margin, their markups to keep margin. So it's you know it's a different philosophy. When the cost of goods are going up, it, it's it's more about maintaining than it is about growing your margin. But uh, when I look at what's happening uh, to raw materials around the world and to freight rates, particularly from Asia, for when it when it comes to freight rates, um, there's no question that there will be cost pressures going forward and that as those cost pressures get addressed by the market, we will, we will you know, uh, adjust accordingly. I understand it doesn't necessarily impact your margin, but it does give you greater pricing flexibility on a going forward basis. You'd agree with that, correct? Uh, 
If if it was um, if it was market wide and raw material wide, yes. Okay, and then Michael, just to be clear, your NCIB, you you plan on starting that actively next week? Is that the message? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, uh, we are. All right. Thank yeah, you both that, very much. That, that, yeah. Okay. You're Thank welcome. You. Thank you. Thank you. The next question is from Karen Short of Barclays. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Hi. Thanks very much. Um, just a question for you with respect to the $455 price point. Um, Neil, you commented on the fact that you know new ideas being generated um, were much lower than normal. So I guess I'm wondering, one, does that make the 450 to $5 harder to introduce, just given maybe a lack of newness? But two, from the timeline that you internally decide to go with the next level, what is the timeline typically from decision, yes, like a go decision to actually seeing it in the store, and would that get pushed out a little more in the, you know, the current environment? And then I had one other question. It wouldn't get pushed out. It would still be three to nine months, you know, uh, post the decision to do it um, with regards to seeing the goods in the stores from an import perspective. If the goods were domestic, uh, you know, it could be a week, uh, to be honest. Uh, but the, the, the decision, again, uh, is very much um, a consequence of both the cost of goods as well as the opportunities. And so, you know, if the cost of goods uh, for everybody goes up dramatically, then, you know, that decision to add price points may be one simply of being able to maintain our offering. Uh, if the cost of goods don't go up and, you know, uh, the world goes back to normal, let's say, um, then, you know, it'll be more on the side of possibly introducing new items. So it's very much dependent on the situation. And since we all live on the same planet, we all have that same challenge. And again, thankfully, we're in the business of relative value. And uh, so whatever we do, we're playing, we're playing the same game as everybody else. Okay, and then just on that actual cost of goods or overall inflation, so what, are you, what did you see in the quarter from an inflation perspective, and what are you, how are you thinking about inflation for 4Q in 2021? And I guess maybe okay. about yeah. freight, you know, freight as well as the actual product. Right, so uh, um, again, we, uh, going into the Q4 quarter, uh, same momentum as you've seen in, in uh, Q3, okay? So uh, we had a margin improvement in Q3, so we're, we're, we're saying we're, we're having some, uh, uh, and that includes, like I said earlier, uh, very little markup, so that talks to the, the, the rest of the, the, the factors. Uh, for next year, we don't know yet. Like Neil said, we, and as I said earlier too, uh, there, there, you know, we expect cost, cost pressures from uh, our suppliers. We expect cost pressures uh, from shipping. We expect a tailwind from the currency, um, and um, and. We've got our, our refresh that we do every year and markup opportunities. So, you know, all of that will allow us to continue doing what we've done well 
historically uh, and to manage the margin. And in Q3 uh, and Q4, Karen, we, you know, we'll have a bit more information, obviously, closer to the year, uh, in the year, and uh, um, hopefully uh, give you uh, uh, more information. Okay, thanks, and congratulations on your retirement. Thank you. People really seem to want to see you go, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going yet. The next question is from Patricia Baker of Scotiabank. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Uh, good morning, everyone. Um, Michael, I want to follow up with your discussion on the self-checkouts. Uh, you said that at the end of Q3, you yeah. had them in 100, 175 stores by year-end. You'll have them in uh, 200 stores. And I'm just curious if you could provide us with some sort of indication with that that group of 200 stores, what's the average revenue gap is between them and your the average revenue of the fleet, just some uh, degree of magnitude? And then secondly, with respect to the remaining uh, stores in the network, um, I'm presuming that there are other stores that also are um, high traffic stores and do uh, large revenue that will benefit uh, maybe in the future from having self-checkouts and we'll be able to see operating efficiencies in those particular stores and, um, um, you know, also, uh, you know, look like they would provide a good payback. Is that fair? Yes. So, okay. So first question is uh, for, uh, so yeah, we're expecting 200 this year. We will give you uh, more information next year, um, uh, you know, in Q4 as to what we propose for next year, but there are definitely uh, more stores next year that we're going to be introducing self-checkouts. Uh, you're right, self-checkouts are a um, uh, top-line um, uh, uh, savings generator. It's to reduce the queue line. That's the purpose of the self-checkout. Uh, and we've seen that working very well during the, this uh, uh, COVID period. And uh, so we do see efficiencies. We don't, uh, so in other words, there are added efficiencies of having introduced the self-checkout, and a good portion of that was top-line generated, uh, and, um, and uh, we will have more next year. We're not going to go into, we can't, we're not disclosing the details, but uh, I'll to say that uh, we're definitely going ahead and pushing more self-checkouts in stores next year. Okay, fair enough. And I'm just going to ask the first part in a slight, slightly different way. Um, I am right in assuming that those 200 stores actually do uh, higher revenues than the average uh, revenue per store of the, of the, of the entire fleet. That they do high, oh, uh, they're <laughs> not, uh, I'm not, I'm not sure. Uh, okay. It's, you're right that, uh, it, you know, it's, uh, for those stores that hire traffic or the space, you know, the, uh, um, uh, they show definitely a better trend after, but um, uh, I wouldn't uh, uh, talk I about... Would, I would tell you that, that it's, it's not representative of our 200 strongest stores. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Sorry, I, I, I could have asked it better. Thanks a lot, oh, guys. No, it's okay, uh, Patricia. <laughs> It's time that I leave now. I can't even understand the questions anymore. 
Thank you. And the last question is from Edward Kelly of Wells Fargo. Please go ahead. Your line is now open. Yeah, hi, guys. Uh, good morning. Hi. Uh, good morning. Just a couple questions. Um, first is, is sort of a follow-up on, on, I think, where Karen was maybe going on, $455. As you think about, uh, you know, moving up into a higher price point, it, does the merchandising opportunity change, um, meaning that, you know, you'd have the ability to maybe sell new items that you – you know, haven't in been haven't been able to in the past. That that may even be more incremental to the store offering than than what you've historically been able to do as you go up in price. So to answer your question, uh, conceptually yes, but again, it depends on whether when one goes to a higher price point, they're doing it as a result of global cost pressures in order to maintain the same assortment as we currently have, or whether uh, it's, it's a matter of um, new available items purely and no cost pressures, and that decision can be taken for an entirely different reason. So, so far we haven't taken it for either of those reasons, and for the moment, uh, and, until further notice, uh, we have no intention of taking that decision for the time being, but uh, sh should it present itself, and should we should we make the announcement that we're going to do it, it would be for one of those two reasons. And maybe just to add to that and to, to corroborate what uh, Neil is saying, August 212, when we introduced 253 dollars, was to bring in new items, or the, even in February 209. In August 2016, we'd just gone through. 30% inflation on the currency over 18 months, and that accelerated for us the introduction of the $354 price points because our top um, price point at the time was uh, pressured by a steep increase in the inflation. So those are your two examples uh, right there. Understood. That's helpful. And just a follow-up for you. So as we think about, you know, digital, um, if you look at, you know, some of your peers in the U.S., they have started to move down the road of a, you know, broader digital offering, particularly around sort of like buy online, pick up in store. Uh, any changes as, as to how you're thinking about that, particularly given what's sort of happened with the pandemic and, you know, an adoption around things like that? Right. Uh, so in our case, uh, you know, buy online, pick up in store uh, – is, is, is very dependent on the situation, let's say the pandemic situation uh, and how it's being handled, you know, store by store, province by province, region by region. Uh, we don't think for the moment that there's much upside to have people do the shop of, you know, dollar items piece by piece and then have a store prepare that uh, per, per customer ready to pick up we don't believe that you know that that is an economically uh, viable uh, business plan. So if if it's a piece by piece business, we're going to uh, keep the customers coming back to pick up the pieces themselves, so to speak. And uh, if it's if it's something that they need to access or want to access those goods by the case, then that's what our what our current platform is for. But in the one to four dollar range. We don't believe that, you know, having people handle and, and shop, so to speak, for, for a single customer piece by piece at $1 to $4, we, 
will ever be an economically viable plan. Makes sense. Thank for you. The, for the time being. Who knows what the future holds. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you. This concludes the question and answer session and also concludes today's conference call. The conference has now ended. Please disconnect your lines at this time, and we thank you for your participation. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.